Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Hitchcock Hecklers, your source for Auburn baseball news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network, a family of Auburn podcasts. I'm your host, Chandler Fullman, and I'm joined alongside with my co-host, Clint Richardson. Clint, what a great day to be an Auburn Tiger, baby. We're Omaha bound. Omaha, I mean, man, this has been so much fun. I mean, this is this is one of the best days to be an Auburn Tiger. Every day is great to be an Auburn Tiger, but today is one of the best days. Yes, I feel like I feel like Peyton Manning with how many times I've said <laughs> Omaha in the past few days. So, uh, but what a what a great weekend. Um, I made the trip up there. Uh, I know you were not, unfortunately, not able to make it, but um, Auburn went two and one on the week with a series win at number fourteen national seed North Carolina, and that does mean Omaha. Uh, first time Ooh. Auburn, first time Auburn has made the trip since nineteen ninety seven. So, um, you know, like I know Butch talks about attack legacy vision and he said this in I think the postgame speech this team has now left its legacy on Auburn baseball this team will be able to say for as long as they live that they will have made the trip to Omaha which is pretty cool Uh, it's been one of the coolest things to watch this team just come together at the right time and you know the the broadcast team this weekend was kind of hit or miss for a lot of people. And it wasn't fantastic for many different reasons, but there was one thing that was said during Monday's game three that kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. And it, it was that last year's Auburn baseball team overachieved in reaching the super regionals and being an out away from making it to Omaha. And it, it was just that word choice of, overachieve because I personally I think that that's an incredibly lazy way to describe a team period especially for a a writer or broadcaster I mean that's just based off of poor expectations to begin the season and we all know that athletes and teams and coaches have such high standards and expectations for themselves to begin with and it's like last year's team played really good most of the season, but they got it together at the right time. And that's exactly what this team did this year. How I, I don't like that word because it just diminishes what a group of guys and this team and this coaching staff was able to put together and just fight through it. I mean, these have been tough wins for Auburn to grind out. And, you know, things could have bounced one way or another 
as they do in every single sport and for every single team. But this team fought to not just get to Omaha, but to even get into the tournament. And I think that that just, you've got to commend that. And just, if you can sit back for a second and just relish in what this team has been able to accomplish the last two and three years is just absolutely incredible. And it's been such a joy to, to watch this team this season. Yeah. I, uh, I 100% agree. And I think um, I do agree um, to a certain extent that overachieved is a lazy word to use. Um, And I've, I've heard it. I will say I've heard it used a ton so far for this year's team. And I do think it is more justified um, with this year's team, but and I will say, I think I think we had a more. I, I'm want to be careful about my word choice, but I think I think we had a more talented roster last year. With oh, I, I entirely agree. Last I mean, year's Auburn baseball team was better than yeah. what we see this year, and yes, it's I agree. just how things bounce. I mean, that's yep. just how sports is. Yep, I agree. I mean, it's hard to argue that because we had the number one overall draft pick in the MLB draft, Casey Mize, last year. I mean, that's a huge, huge talent taken away. So, well, uh, and I think if this season had been perfect in the sense of Davis Daniel doesn't go out after 40 pitches in the first game, if Tanner and Jack are able to play the entire season, if Edward doesn't have the worst sophomore slump that he could probably ever imagine, yeah, like, if all of those things that put Auburn on the map last year continued into this season. Yeah, probably that's, that's a really tough debate, but I, I, I don't think, you know, you look at it on paper, it's no question that last year's team was incredibly better top to bottom and, you know, luckier. I mean, you have to be lucky to stay healthy throughout the season, but there's not really anything you can do on your end to, to not get hurt. And it's been a very tough season. It's been a very unlucky season at times. But, you know, it's I, I always go back to, you know, Gene Chizik and Gus Malzahn that teams have to find ways to win. And that's what Coach Thompson has been able to instill in this team in such a short amount of time of things aren't going our way, go find a way to win. And they've done such a good job of doing that the last couple of months, you know, last couple of weeks right now. Yeah, I uh, I would 100% agree with that. But let's go ahead and get started on our uh, game reviews. And this was a Saturday, Sunday, Monday series. And I'll go just go ahead and start off with we didn't know I didn't know if we would get a single game in with how the how the weather was being forecasted. Um, it looked like I think. The when we headed up there on Friday, I think for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Monday, all day. I mean, I'm talking all 24 hours. The lowest chance of rain was I think 65 or 66 percent. So um, we were worried, and um, but you couldn't have asked for a. Uh, I guess you could have gotten a little cooler. Uh, it was a little hot some days, but. Couldn't have asked for better weather um, for these three days. And... I mean, it's great when experts are wrong, and 
you know, being a weatherman and being able to, to still have a job and not get it entirely right. is such a, a great way to have a job, I think. And yeah. I, I mean, like you said, the forecast for this weekend was awful. It did not look like we were going to be able to play. There was talk of moving the the super regional and, and even talk of what happens if this gets rained out because by the rule book, we don't, we've got such a short time period to actually get these games in. And if all of that's entirely washed out, North Carolina automatically advanced. And I, I know a lot of people were upset about that, but you, you have to draw the line at some point in the rule book. And, and unfortunately it wouldn't have gone Auburn's way at that point, but you know, it, it's, it's such a great opportunity for Auburn to, to be able to play these games and do what they did. And, and that the weather was able to hold off and, Mother Mother Nature might be a baseball fan after all. Yeah, I um, I agree, and because, like I said, it was just a beautiful, beautiful weekend for baseball. But let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Saturday, uh, game one versus North Carolina. Uh, I mean, I, if you're listening to this, I kind of expect for you to know how the super regionals work, but. Uh, Super Regionals is the best of three series. Um, so win two games and you're on to Omaha. So um, so winning game one is, I think, uh, I saw a stat, 79% of teams that win game one advance on to Omaha. So it is critical to win that, to win that first game, and that's just what Auburn did. Uh, they had they got a eleven to seven victory um, over North Carolina, but it was a way closer game uh, than the eleven to seven score, in my opinion. What did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. North Carolina got such a good jump early in the game, and Jack Owen was not his normal self. He goes five innings, gives up four runs on eight hits and only struck out three through 77 pitches and, you know, had a, had a pretty high pitch count after the first inning, just like he did last week in Atlanta. And um, North Carolina was able to go up 3-0 real early uh, in the first inning. And Auburn was able to bounce back in the fifth to make it ultimately four to two. And going into the eighth inning, it was a five to two game in North Carolina's favor and Auburn was able to pull out this 11 to seven victory with a five run eighth inning and a four run ninth inning and still had to hold on a little bit as North Carolina put up two in the final frame. And, you know, this was once again, just Auburn fighting back. You know, it really, I I think a lot of people kind of expected Auburn to, not really fold at this point, but things to just not work out. We're mm-hmm. Auburn fans. We know how these things work. And the way that this game started, it did not feel like things were going to turn around in Auburn's favor. And it's it's really impressive that it did and that Auburn was able to do what they did. Um, you know, North Carolina threw a ton of guys out of the bullpen and none of them were able to capitalize on a struggling Auburn team at that point. And it, it, it's North Carolina had one of the better pitching staffs, you know, in, in the conference and especially matched up against Auburn and their bullpen was entirely ineffective for most of the super regional. And again, Auburn was just able to take advantage of it. 
Yeah, and it was uh, it was fun to see. Uh, as you said, Auburn was able to take advantage of it. Ryan Bliss, Connor Davis, Edward Julian, and Rankin Woley all had two hits apiece. And um, but Edward Julian and Stephen Williams had key critical home runs. But I think probably the biggest hit, and I think you would probably agree with this, is was Rankin Woley's bases loaded triple. Um, or it was a double, and I think they ruled it as he advanced to third on on the throw. But he got to third base um, on his hit. And I think that was probably the biggest hit all game because it was, uh, I think, like a one-run ball game or a tied ball game at that point. And or I think we were down by one. Uh, I think five, it was five to four. And Auburn had bases loaded with two outs. And Rankin Woolley hit a triple that unleashed and uh, made it seven to five Auburn, and that just let the floodgates down. And um, just a fun, fun game to be at. I, I agree with you entirely on that. Um, Rankin just was pretty much the clutch hitter of the weekend and was able to to get Auburn a hit when they needed it most. And you know, it seems like the best at-bats and the best resulted hits that Auburn's had in the last two weeks have been in unfavorable uh, batter uh, counts. You know, Rankin had a 2-2 count with one out. And then, you know, in the in the top of the ninth, when Edward hit his home run, he also had a 2-2 count. And we all know going back to last week that Stephen Williams had a 3-2 count with two outs. And, you know, that's that's something that you don't really see a whole lot, especially out of Auburn this season, of really being able to do a whole lot with an unfavorable count. And whatever Gabe Gross and his coaching staff were able to instill for these batters in their um, plate appearances just ended up working so much better and were so much more effective than they had been most of the season. And, and it was a lot of hits to the right spot and beating the shift, especially on uh, Monday's game. And, and it was just so much fun to watch the, the runs rack up and the, the balls go flying. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you on that one, but just a, it was, I would say, um, in my opinion, game one was probably the most fun of the three games to be at. Um, if, for, if you're just a general baseball fan, uh, standpoint, because the second game, I mean, it was a boring two to nothing. There was no offense game. And then third game, pretty much all the offense happened in the first inning. And, um, so I think from a baseball fan standpoint, this first game was probably the most fun game of the three. Yeah, if you're if you're a fan of offense and not so much pitching, that's for sure. Yes, that's true. But um, like you said, Auburn got the eleven to seven victory, and you you already mentioned Jack Owen went five innings, but Elliot Anderson went uh, came in and got to, went two innings of relief. He earned the win. Um, that and that puts him at seven and two on the season. And then Cody Greenhill came in for the final two innings to earn the save, and that was his twelfth save of the season. 
That's kind of a crazy number. Yes, and it's also, to me, um, looking at this box score, crazy um, that Elliot and Cody both pitched two innings, but Elliot only threw 18 pitches. Cody threw 46 pitches, and I think I think that was a I think that was pretty critical um, because we were able to use Elliot again for three or four innings um, on Sunday, and we used Cody again um, on Monday. So I think the especially Elliot, I think the low pitch count for him really helped Auburn. Um, because Auburn's bullpen is very thin, and we all know that. Um, so I think his low pitch count really helped Auburn and may have led uh, to Auburn being able to win this series. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. And um, It was nice to see Elliott only face seven batters, one above his minimum. And you know, he, he did give up a run. He gave up two hits. But we've kind of seen Elliott this season be like 98% dominant. And, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times on this show. And what I mean by that is he's been so good for most of his starts, but there's one pitch that just doesn't work out for him. And it typically ends up being a a big home run and, and kind of a deciding factor, especially, you know, what comes to mind in particular is the Texas A&M series. And, uh, I think Auburn lost a, a one-run game because of a two-run home run that Elliott ended up giving up, but he was fantastic the rest of the outing. And um, it, it's really encouraging to see him pitch so well because Auburn is desperate for a reliable arm. And, you know, <clears throat> Elliott has proven that he might be that reliable arm going into next season. And, you know, when – as we were talking about Cody Greenhill's 12th save, I tried to pull up the NCAA stats, but for some reason, these haven't been updated in two weeks. But as of the end of May, Cody had 10 saves, was tied for 41st in the country, and the leader is Garrett Acton from Illinois with 19 saves. So, you know, just yeah. some context on what kind of a season that uh, Cody's had already. Yeah. Um and honestly, I mean, this is kind of getting off track a little bit, but I would say Cody didn't has not had as good of a season as his freshman year. So I, again, I would agree with you there. So I think it's even more the even more impressive that he has racked up these twelve saves, and um, I'm hoping for a huge, huge junior year um, from Cody. But before his huge junior year, I'm hoping for a huge College World Series. But let's not get too far off track here. Let's move on to Sunday's game um, where Auburn just couldn't put – couldn't string hits together. Um, I think that is pretty much the summary of this game um, as they were able to get a hit here and there. They just weren't able to string them together. And, unfortunately, Auburn failed two to nothing and – um, it was just a, just a, just a rough, rough go of things, uh, for the Tigers on Sunday. Well, and this was an interesting game to watch because again, for like the third or fourth straight game, Auburn really struggled out of the gate. Uh, Bailey Horn got the start. 
gave up two hits in the first inning, and it was another high pitch count inning, but then didn't give up anything else. I think Bailey was fantastic the rest of the game. Gave up three hits, two runs, only walked, or he only struck out three, but ended up walking six. And these walks really started to come bite Auburn in the butt. Um, Bailey only threw, or he threw 74 pitches in just over three innings, which is incredibly way too high. But Ryan Watson comes in, walks one guy, strikes out two, gives up three hits, doesn't allow a run to score. And Elliott comes back on a day's rest, on a half day's rest, and throws 53 pitches for the final three out, or for the final three innings, and only gives up two hits and walks two guys. So unfortunately, Auburn walked nine batters, but they were able to strand 14 Tar Heels on base. And yeah. you know, the for Auburn's offense is where it really kind of struggled. And like you said, Auburn was able to get a couple of hits. Auburn had six hits to North Carolina's eight and left nine guys on base. So they were able to get on base you know, four walks with those six hits, but just really struggled to do anything with it. And again, like we said, most of this podcast that the bounces just didn't go Auburn's way this time. And I think North Carolina played, played a really solid game. Um, you know, their Austin love out of the bullpen, I think was really solid on the mound. He grabbed his eighth win of the season. I mean, just look at this. He goes four and two thirds and only throws 50 pitches. Yeah. That's the efficiency that we really need to see out of Auburn going forward. And the, yeah, and that's the the starter Austin Bergner went four and a third and threw ninety six pitches, and then he yeah. came in and throw and gets one more out and only throws fifty pitches. So, I mean, that's that's a crazy number to look at, and just you can see it right then and there of how important a good pitch count can be to a pitcher. Yes, very. Very effective um, Austin Love was against Auburn on Sunday. And that's after um, Austin Love came in on Saturday and threw a full inning, threw a full 25 pitches. Um, and he had given up uh, two, gave up two hits and two earned runs on Saturday um, in one inning pitched. And then he came back the next day. And just shut Auburn down. I mean, four and two thirds, only gave up two hits, had six strikeouts on fifty pitches, and faced uh, faced fifteen batters. So, uh, and I think that's one over one over his minimum. So, just incredibly impressive uh, performance from Austin Love, the yeah, UNC reliever. That was a fun outing to watch. Just yes. how he's dealing and able to shut Auburn down, like you mentioned, and, and that's that's pretty spectacular, really. To you know, they talked about it on the broadcast. Once a lineup goes through two or three times, you know what a pitcher's got. And for Auburn to have seen this guy in person, in addition to all the scouting that these teams do, and for him to come back again and perform like he did is really incredible. Yeah, I I would agree with that, but. And I think before we move on to Monday's game, um, I don't know if – I think you probably heard about it, but Bailey Horn uh, was suffering. He didn't even travel with the team to the stadium on Saturday. 
He yeah, was had a suffering. bad stomach bug is what we were told on TV. Yes, suffering from a stomach virus and was just very, very ill. Um, I know they moved him out of his room with his roommate into a separate room and um, gave him his space. And uh, I'm guessing coach told him this is you have a chance to pull your bring your team to Omaha. And I mean, when you're told that, you've got to be on your deathbed to not get out there and pitch. <laughs> so he had well, some good Gatorade, that's for sure. Yeah, at least if it was me, I'd, I'd have to be on my deathbed in a coma for 17 days. But um, <laughs> not, not not like that's ever happened or anything. But <laughs> anyways, we'll proceed. Um, on to Monday's game. Uh, Auburn was tied in the series. So Auburn gets the first game. Carolina gets the second game. So the big third game and the deciding game. And hey, were were you, were you scared when the schedule came out and you learned that Auburn was playing another Saturday, Sunday, Monday series for Super Regionals? Because I know I was. Why were you scared? I mean, not scared, but going back to to last year and the fact that we had to play this kind of schedule again. No, I was just I was ready. I was just ready to win. I mean, I felt, and the the thing was. And I think it does have something to do with the experience. I woke up Monday morning and I had a very, and it was strange because, you know, when when you feel this way, it's for sure Auburn's going to lose. But I had a very good feeling about Monday's game and about how Monday was going to go. And it's crazy that I had that because, I mean, we really didn't have many pitching options. Um and thankfully, Auburn kind of, sort of, eh, had a had an okay first inning. Hopefully, um, they knocked the sots off of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of went, I think we went through the order twice. I think we had, had like 15 guys that uh, stepped to the plate that inning. Um, and we, we only racked up 13 runs. Um, that's... That's a decent first inning, I would say. Um, would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're underselling so, it a little bit. 13 runs in the first inning. And I would go through how we scored all of those, but that would take me about an hour and a half um, to go through. <laughs> so I will say the key plays and um, the key, the two key plays from that inning, in my opinion, um, were – it was well. First of all, let me mention that the game started with four straight guys getting walked. There were no outs, and the pitcher already got pulled after he walked four straight guys. Yeah, do you and, know how much fun that was? <laughs> yes, and I made sure that, and I probably, yeah, I kind of feel bad now, um, but oh, I made sure that Joe Joey Lancelotti knew about how fun it was, about how much fun I was having, because I let him know walking the first four guys is not optimal for your chances at winning a baseball game. Um, well, let, let's let set the stage a little better, because Joey Lancelotti is, I, I believe, UNC's ace, or at least one of their better arms. And he, he is comes UNC's out, 
number one reliever. So he comes so. out with the start. Um, I, I think we had, yeah, we saw him. He took the loss in game one. So he, he didn't play very well in that first game. They're incredibly high on this kid. He throws 20 pitches before getting pulled. Only four of them were strikes. And if you go back and watch, they were freebies. <clears throat> Ryan Bliss actually stepped back out of the batter spots as that pitch was coming in. Stephen Williams didn't take the bat off of his shoulder when that pitch was coming in. Not one of those were earned strikes. They were just yeah. given. <laughs> and to to walk four guys, and I mean, he was credited with those four runs given up. He only faced those four batters, and it's insane when you go through and look at how this UNC bullpen and pitching staff just crumbled. This was a good pitching staff, and, and Auburn either hit them at the worst time or was able to just knock the ball off of them. They went through four guys, and they went through five guys in the first inning. Lancelotti didn't get a single out. Olio gets two outs but gives up three runs. Butler comes in, gives up six runs without an out, and then good old Mr. Sandy comes in and was able to at least settle it down a little bit. He gives up seven runs, or one run on seven hits for the next five and two-thirds innings that he pitched. So, I mean, this was a crazy first inning, and just, I mean, you got to know, when you're down 4-0, it's not going to be a good final game. But when you're down 13-0, and these people, these poor UNC fans have t- taken off work, they've got the kids in the stands, and thankfully school should be out for most of this country. But, I mean, that's got to be such a miserable game to sit through as that team on the wrong end and think, this is the last time I get to see this team. It's the last time I probably get to ever see some of these players, and they're down 13 nothing after an hour long first first half of an inning yeah well i think the the real i mean like you you kind of said it already but the most deflating part of the entire thing was they were down 13 to nothing and they had not seen a single pitch yet they had not <laughs> they they had not had one batter come to the plate and they like their leadoff hitter steps to the plate and they're down thirteen to nothing. You know that's got to be such a sick feeling in that dugout. It, it, and I mean, you got to give it to Carolina. I mean they they still fought. They uh they out they actually outscored Auburn seven to one across the next eight innings. So well, after the first inning, UNC was the better team. Yes, I would I would agree with that. But um, but that's but that's, you know what? It doesn't that's matter. Why that's why you played nine innings. Exactly. That's why they play nine innings. But I will we'll get back to what I was saying. I think the two key plays from that first inning were, I think it was three to nothing, and Will Holland um, drops a bunt down, um, down the first base line and uh, squeezes the guy home. But Will also barely, barely um, gets past the fielder that is fielding it and nobody was covering first, and he is he was safe at first. And I, I consider that a, a very key play to the inning. 
Well, and, if it looked close in person, it was not close on TV because he he had that play beat out, and it was a terrible defensive play on UNC's part. But he was pretty clear, and honestly, the the route that he took because he had to go outside the baseline a little bit to to kind of angle himself to avoid the potential tag and get back to the base. I was worried that they probably were going to call him out for being out of the baseline, but it was a it was a terrible defensive play on the Tar Heels part, but a fantastic uh, bunt and effort play on Will Holland's part. Yes, I agree with that. And then the second play that I thought was a, a key play was, um, and I should mention that I don't know if I've said this before on this podcast, but uh, Judd Ward is my favorite player. And uh, Judd Ward hit a three-run home run to right field um, that really, I, I mean, it, the floodgates had kind of already been opened. It was five to nothing, but this really opened the floodgates and made it eight right. to nothing. So um, that well, was here, let's, super. I kind of want to go through these at-bats real quick. It was a, a walk, 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 RBI walk for Stephen Williams. Rankin Wally strikes out. Edward gets a single but scores two. Will Holland on the uh, infield bunt scores one. Matt Scheffler flies out. Kaysen Howell gets a single for an RBI. Judd Ward's three-run home run. <laughs> Ryan Bliss with a single. Connor Davis with a single. Uh, Stephen Williams reaches on an error to the second baseman. Rankin comes back up and gets a single RBI. Edward comes up and gets another single for another RBI. Will Holland takes a ball, and then Matt Scheffler is able to grab a single, score another two runs, but I think it was um, Will Holland got thrown out at second in a you know just a meh. Uh, base running play so yeah. I mean that's that, that's, that's a, a inning that you dream for and for it to happen in this situation was spectacular that's a good point that you just made right there UNC really didn't get three outs Auburn ran their, their I mean they ran themselves into the third they out they did so well really, and UNC if, only if you go, two outs. <laughs> well and even if you go back to um, that error on the second baseman. Auburn shouldn't have even scored one, two, three, four more runs. It should have been a 9-0 first inning if the guy could have caught, at least caught the ball. But, yeah. you know, even at 9-0, it's still a pretty tight game. 9-0. What a what – a, um, I'm sucky, so upset. <laughs> what a sucky first inning. Man, 13-0 sure does sound better. But um, I just wish we would have hit that extra point. That's right. I, I agree that missing that extra point, my shit, my my, I was worried would have came back and bit us in the butt later in the game. But um, Auburn got up thirteen to nothing, and like we said, um, UNC outscored Auburn seven to one across the next three innings. And um, I want to give a quick shout out to um a. Freshman for North Carolina, designated hitter Aaron Sabato or Sabato. Sabatis. Uh, well, it's S A B A T O, Sabato or something like that. 
but he went five for 13 on the series and he had, uh, he had, let's see, I think three he home runs. Two, he had two, I think. Two, I don't two, think he yeah, two home runs in game three and he had a double in game one, but the kid, the kid was batting, I think hitting three fifty or like three fifty or three fifty three coming into the series. And I mean, Auburn did a great job. Um, I mean, I guess in, uh, in, in respective, uh, they brought his batting average down to like three forty or three forty two at one point, but <laughs> he still went five for thirteen with two home runs and a double. And well, I, th- and I, I don't know if success. I don't know if you were privy to this information at the stadium, but the kid's a freshman. Yeah, and they well, we all of us who had to watch it on TV, we know all too well that he's a freshman. But you know, for him to be at UNC for another year or two. I mean, he's going to be a stud for the Tar Heels and, and such a star player for the college baseball game. I mean, yeah. he was he was no doubt the best player on the field this weekend. And, you know, if there's a name to watch, it's definitely him. And he's going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on for sure. Yes, I, I would agree. And um, I would say – that I think he could possibly be a potential national player of the year next year in his junior year. Um, he's, he's that good. But um, from a pitching perspective on Monday, because Auburn still had to get 27 outs. I mean, they had the 13-run lead, but you still had to get 27 outs. And Auburn did a great job um, in doing that. And – Starting off with Tanner Burns, he went two innings. Um, he only went two innings because of a sore shoulder, some tendonitis issues. Um, only went two innings, threw 26 pitches, faced one over the minimum. Um, but he did a wonderful job in his in his outing. And then Richard Fitz came in. And Richard, I would say, I mean, Tanner and Cody, you know, you feel pretty confident about. Richard is Richard, I felt like, was the real question mark. Because um, Richard has, I think, like a five six six or something around that ERA, and you know he's just kind of hit or miss. Some days he's on, some days he's off. But late in this season, it seems like he's been mostly on, and that's a very encouraging sign for the College World Series. Well, and his on is typically a really good outing, and. You know, unfortunately for him and his stat line, it doesn't show what this game actually was. Auburn had a huge cushion early on, and Richard was given the opportunity to just go throw a baseball, go play catch for a couple of hours. And, you know, when you look at it, that he gave up seven hits, six runs, he struck out four but walked three, and, you know, 93 pitches on five and a third innings. I it's not a fantastic stat line, but I think when you watch it in context, Richard had a fantastic outing. This was the perfect opportunity to have a young pitcher that you know you're going to be relying on, not just next week, but next year and the year after. And um, to get him some really good experience against some really good teams. And I mean, the super regionals are the super regionals, regardless of 
a tight score or a blowout like this turned out to be. So that's fantastic experience for him. And I think that it is going to pay off. And I think that he's going to be such a relied on arm going forward. And, you know, you mentioned Tanner got the start, but that was a late change in the lineup, probably about like 20 or 30 minutes to game time. We were told the night before that Richard Fitz was going to get the start and Tanner might come on for an inning or two in relief. But I, I made the note online after Auburn's, you know, fantastic first inning that, you know, Lancelotti was a reliever. He wasn't a starter. And Auburn decided to go against that same route. They weren't going to start the young reliever. They were going to go with an experienced starter, even if it was for a little bit. And, you know, that right there is exactly why Auburn did it. You know, there's such a mentality difference between starting a game fresh, having a clean mound, and coming out of the bullpen with, you know, having some work to do. And these guys tend to thrive in those different situations. And I think that that was a very smart and underrated move going into this game. Of course, it's not going to make a huge difference when you put up 13 runs in the top of the first, but for Tanner to come out here kind of, I mean, this was basically a rehab start for him. And like you said, two innings, 26 pitches, he was very efficient and was able to get pretty much in and out of that start really quick. I mean, that first, the first frame took almost an hour, but he wasn't out there for more than 10 minutes, probably. I mean, this is probably the shortest time outing of his entire baseball career. And I think that that was a very effective move and, and got him some, some confidence in his abilities and his arm and a good game outing to get that arm worked out before going into one of the best atmospheres in all of collegiate yeah, sports. I agree. And I, I, th- I do think, like you said, the, the coaching move to uh, not start Richard and to start Tanner is a very, very underrated move because in, in Richard Fitz's five or six starts this year, I can't remember which it was, but in his in his starts, Richard has a twelve point one five ERA, which is atrocious. Um, atrocious <laughs> is to be nice, um, but in relief, Richard Fitz is just a different person. And going into um, going into the game, um, I got to the stadium and talked to some of the players uh, before the game. The plan was. Tanner Burns two innings and I know he had a great great outing going but they were his tendonitis they weren't not going to give him more than two innings so two innings then Richard Fitz for five innings and then Cody Greenhill for the final two innings and I think I mean Richard Fitz's stat line looks awful but or it doesn't look awful but it doesn't look good but I think being able to go five and a third, he, I mean, he got an extra out than what we really wanted him to do was just incredibly important to last that long because after Richard, it really starts to get dicey in the bullpen. Um, I mean, Brooks Fuller could have probably come on, but you know, you don't want to have those question marks. You want to have, you want to go by that plan. You want to go, say, Tanner two innings, Richard five innings, and then Cody the final two. 
And that was the plan, and that was exactly what Auburn did. And, yeah, and I, it worked out I'm, perfect. I'm glad the coaching staff stuck to that plan. Um, I, I do think that if the score had been a little bit more lopsided at that time, that you might have seen a little bit different of a plan. Um, they did have Kyle Gray warming up late in the game. It would have been nice to see a couple more of these guys that we really haven't seen in what feels like a month. Um, these guys haven't gotten a whole lot of game action and it would have been nice to see them get something, but you know, I, I know it was a hot day for you guys in the stand and it didn't look like there was a whole lot of shade. And I, I, you know, that the coaching staff was ready to just get the celebration on and, and, you know, not get home any later than they already did. So I I think if a couple of things would have been different if this had been on Sunday or or whatever, that you probably would have seen um, Brooks Fuller and Kyle Gray and maybe even um, senior Blake Shalashi get some some action on the mound um, otherwise. But, you know, it it is a good thing that our coaching staff is as strong to their plan as they were because, I mean, if you start wavering on some plans, who knows what else you're going to waver on. And I, I like to see a, a headstrong coaching staff like that. If it was a little closer game, maybe change the plan up a little bit, but it wasn't. We had that 13 run first inning. So um, we had some, some uh, space to make some mistakes and um, to be lenient. And that was uh, to be flexible. And that was the, that was the great part of the matter. And, just a incredibly exciting time um, to be a Auburn baseball fan as the Auburn Tigers um, with the 14 to seven win are headed to Omaha. So I think it's before we preview Omaha, let's go ahead and uh, give our Hitchcock heckler players of the week. And I'll let you go first, Clint, because I really don't know who mine is. I mean, I feel like, it could be anybody, you know? I, I agree. And this might be the hardest uh, to pick that we've had to do. Um, I think that this was a fantastic outing, top to bottom from this entire team. Um, I, I'm struggling. Like, I, I, I was kind of hoping you would go first for that same reason. All right, and- well, yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. And I'm going to go with um, a guy that went um, – he had a great, great game three and um, came up with a huge hit in game one. Struggled in game two, but Rankin Woley um, will be my player of the week. Um, he, he went uh, five for 14 on the weekend, but though, I mean, five for 14 is great. Um, that, I think that's probably like hitting around 350, but uh Rankin had uh, a super important hit in game one that I mentioned earlier and then in in uh game three he had three hits and had two RBIs and just was uh was a key player this week no I I think that's a fantastic choice um you know Rankin kind of was the the clutch player this weekend um Man, I'm still struggling. Like we, I've kind of taken the cop out answers a couple of times, and you know, picking the Bramblets last year or last week. But 
I'm struggling to pick any one of these guys so bad that I really just want to go with uh, Butch Thompson. <laughs> if you'll let me, if you'll let me do that, because I mean, if you just look at what he's been able to do and the way that he has just served the sovereign community within the last month, really, um, there's a video that came out middle of the week on how they're not using the Bramlett death to to go win a baseball game, how that's not the right way to do that. That's not how you honor anybody. And I, I felt that, that was a, such a sincere speech. I and mean, that's that's a friend of his that he lost and, and a colleague. And, you know, I, I feel like if there were any person on the Auburn campus that you could send your kid to go learn life lessons from, I don't know why you wouldn't choose Butch Thompson. He's one of the more, I mean, he's just so incredibly sincere. He's so incredibly approachable. He knows your name. He knows my name. And um, just genuinely one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. And I hope that he stays here at Auburn for an incredibly long time. Yes. And I 100, I wouldn't <laughs> normally let you choose a coach, but I, since I kind of, I have a man crush on Butch. Um, and I, I view Butch Thompson as one of my role models. And I think that is a excellent choice. And like you were saying, he knows, he knows everybody that he meets by name and he, he gives everybody the time of day. And I think a, yeah. a perfect example of this is last night, the bus pulls in at, uh, about two thirty in the morning and there's like, five or six Auburn fans there to greet the team um, as they came home. And like, I got home at about two fifteen, So I was like, yeah, might as well go over there and um, welcome the team home. So I went over there and um, Butch has gotten off the bus and he's gone, went and saw his family. I should mention a uh, shout out to Anna Thompson, Butch's oldest daughter. Um, she drove home four hours um, she's working down at the beach this summer um, to come home to see her dad um, and congratulate him um, for going to Omaha. And I thought that was a very sincere and a, a super awesome, sweet move from her. Um, but anyways, uh, Butch gets off the bus at two thirty in the morning. And uh, I should mention that we had on our, on our way home from Carolina, uh, me and the people I was riding with, we had a little fender bender um, crash um, on the highway there in Chapel Hill as we were leaving. And um, I just tweeted a picture out of it, and it la- it took us about an hour uh, to get, get out of there. But um, Butch, I mean, you know, he's going to Omaha. I mean, he's got a ton of other things on his mind. Just saw his daughter, just, I mean – is ready to get in the bed probably. And Butch makes sure to come over to me and says, Hey, saw on Twitter, y'all got in that wreck. Is everybody good? Is everybody okay? Um, he, he said, I, I said a prayer for y'all. Just wanted to make sure y'all are okay. And I, I, I mean, that's, that's who Butch Thompson is. He, he makes sure that everybody feels special. Yep. And so much to the point so that we actually invited him and his wife to our wedding. That's, you know, in 10 days uh, from when we're recording this. And, you know, they're 
I hope that they're not able to come. And uh, I heard from Miss Robin earlier today, and she said, I've never been so excited to potentially miss a wedding. And it's such a fantastic family, and you can't help but love them. And they're just fantastic, genuine people and, and definitely deserve what they've been able to accomplish already. Yes, and really quick, I want to go ahead and give a uh, um, a co-not player of the week, but a fan of the week um, to Gabe Gross's daughter, Allie Gross. Allie helped me uh, leading the chants and cheers in <laughs> in our section all weekend, and I, she did a wonderful job, and just huge shout out to her. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to – uh, a preview, a quick preview of Omaha and just a breakdown of the regionals and just any predictions that we may have. Um, so in, um, in the regional that Auburn is not in is Arkansas, FSU, Michigan, and Texas Tech. And that, in my opinion, is by far the easier, reg- or the easier <laughs> bracket of the two. Um, of course, Auburn's not in it, um, but FSU oh. and Michigan were two of the last four teams to just get into the NCAA tournament. So, in my opinion, that is by far the easier bracket of the two. Well, you, you say that, but I, I don't know if there's any one team in this tournament that I would want to face as a as a team. And, you know, Michigan had to upset one of the better teams in the country in UCLA in Los Angeles um florida state you know like you said they one of the last teams in the bracket many didn't think that they should have even been in the tournament period um but you know when you when you're playing to send off your head coach of 40 plus years man who's made the ncaa tournament 40 straight seasons you've got a lot to play for that's always a fantastic story but you know, I don't know about you. But I'm not going to pull for Florida State this weekend. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not pulling for them. But that's an excellent point that you made, um, that there's no easy no easy brackets because, um, like you said, Michigan went to the number one team in the nation that has not lost a weekend series all season. I mean, They didn't I don't lose know. a single midweek game. I don't know if you know how incredible that is, but they have not lost a weekend series <laughs> all season um, i mean that they, was that was a fantastic ucla team and yes. for michigan to go to california and do what they did was absolutely incredible and, and then texas tech has been playing incredibly well to defeat conference foe oklahoma state to get into this position is yeah. fantastic i think arkansas is playing fantastic ball as well they also beat a conference foe in Ole miss um, I would that agree. looked like a home. That looked like a home run derby uh, yeah. in Fayetteville this weekend, and um, the Texas Tech Oklahoma State game looked like a home run derby in Game yeah. Three. There were seven um, home runs. Well, and to to look at our side of this bracket, Auburn's got two conference foes in Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State, and I think probably if you had to pick a team out of this that you would want to face, it might be Louisville. Um, but I would agree. It it definitely looks like Auburn's going to have a really tough fight. Um, Auburn plays Mississippi state on Sunday at seven 30. Um, you know, and if, 
if you look at the schedule, like I've been trying to do ever since um, our seedings got announced, like there are two games scheduled for Saturday, June 22nd. And they're both, if necessary, games. And I hope that Auburn is able to get through this half of the bracket without needing those games. Because, or if they do, I'm really hoping that they're at the 7 o'clock time slot because it's not going to be a good look for me and my fiance and our bridesmaids to have the game on in the middle of the wedding. But hey, we'll, we'll figure out a way got, to do that. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I mean, if brother Jeff is going to be giving updates in the middle of the ceremony. So, yeah, I mean, if like, if you could say, Hey, here, I take, I take you to be my wife game update. Auburn leads three to nothing. All right, here I take you to be my husband. All right, game update. Auburn leads four to nothing. I mean, if Man, you gotta that, do was, that, that was quick. <laughs> if you got to do that, you got to do that. I mean, oh, we're going to. Don't you worry. So, but, um, but yes. Um, so, really excited about um, getting to make the trip out there to Omaha and um, see Auburn play. And uh, just uh, what a time to be alive. I, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but. Um, two of my childhood dreams growing up, seeing Auburn play in the Final Four and seeing Auburn play in Omaha. And both of them are going to happen in a time span of under three months. Within absolutely insane. And that just blows my mind. Um, but just a awesome, awesome time to be an Auburn Tiger. But I think that'll do it for this episode of Hitchcock Hecklers. And until next time, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?